Welcome to Shine Waves, spirituality without the flaw. I think we are that can judge another person by their color, their creed, or their belief system when we are nothing in comparison to the universe. It was kind of interesting too because I didn't know if anyone else was saying like this. I'm like, is this weird? Is this? And I'm sitting there like, oh my gosh. So hello and welcome to another podcast. It's me, Irish Steve. And we have a very special young man with us today. His name is Landon. He's 10 years old from Aurora. And Landon approached me via his mom, who works in the store, Lisa, about doing a podcast on gods and ancient gods and wanted to just have a deep discussion. So first of all, welcome to the show. Now, there's a lot of people who are going to probably have a very similar questions to what you have. So now, this is where you get to quiz me. You just shout out any question you want, and we'll get to the bottom of it. Because we know that your baseline is uh, Greek mythology and Greek gods, and you have a whole load of different questions around that. As I say, I'm actually nervous because this is not my strong point. So I'm hoping that you're going to educate me as well as our listeners on what you know, so then people know that uh, knowledge isn't about age. It's about wisdom of all sorts. All right? All right. So here we go. What's your question? What's your first of like 400 questions? Because I know this is going to go down 100 rabbit holes. Hit me. I wonder what, what would it be like if the gods were ever to come back in person? Do you ever th- Well, have you ever stopped to think that they're already here in person? No. Because there is a theology out there, right? Or a philosophy that uh, a lot of gods work on the Avatar series. So they actually have avatars that walk the earth, and they've always had that. So when we talk about in person, are we talking about in their form that we understand it through um, texts and old scriptures, or are we understanding it as people who are taking the form using an avatar? Um, the way we understand them in books and... Uh, yeah, wherever you see it. Yeah. Okay. So the representations of these are were basically around the mythology of that time. So because we're going in Greek, let's go for Greek mythology. So Zeus is represented as a, a high-powering god from off Olympus that throws a big lightning bolt. That lightning bolt is known as the lightning bolt of Asalia. Asalia literally means walking god. If we look at it from the perception um, and from all the ancient texts, apparently, now I'm saying apparently because you know as well as I do. You're very young, but you're very wise. But you know as well as I do, there's so many misinterpretations of certain texts and certain scriptures. But there is a massive um, date that's coming up in this next few years where it literally says that God's going to walk the earth in their true form again. And that is June 24th, 2024. So is there potential of that happening? Absolutely, based on the ancient script. Um, could it be wrong? Like everything else. Way before your time, before you were around, there was this Y2K thing. So Y2K thing was this big massive thing where they thought the whole computer system was going to collapse. And that never happened. We had the uh, 2012 uh, Mayan calendar, which is December 12th, 2012, or December 21st, 2012, which was again a time that was written where the gods were going to walk again. But here's where I'm going to sort of mess with your mind just a little. Our timeline isn't the timeline from the ancient scripts. So if we take it to like India or North Africa, they are 297 years ahead of us. If we take it from ancient Greek, ancient, oh, but that area is called Mesopotamia, Mesopotamia, Greek and Egyptian, 
their year right now is 62-63. So they're 4,000 years ahead of us. So when we, we are looking at these calculations of, de of dates, know that there's different timelines in play. However, there is a massive theory that the, the avatars actually walk the earth right now. There's plenty of evidence to produce this or to support this as well. Don't be afraid. Get jumped in here. I'm watching you going, wow, this is How a lot of knowledge really fast. And I'm watching your face just go, oh dear. How do we know which ones are the gods and which ones aren't? Great question. We don't. There's no clear um, physical representation to say that they are or they're not. So every person that you know has the potential of being an avatar if we are working on that theory. The, the, there is one telltale sign that you can see, which, which is called evocation of the spirit, which is where their eye color changes. That is the one indication that we can physically see. Energetically, um, because you're very energetically sensitive, you'll find that people who have what's known as a GS, or God Soul Avatar, are highly energetic people. So their vibration is really, really high. They're very, very clean and concise with their energy. But there's no real physical way to tell, except if you're there at the moment of what's called summoning or evocation, and their eye color changes. And it's really cool when it happens. I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen with my own eyes. So I know it's real. Whether you know it's real, that's a different story. But I know it's real. Um, Zeus's son, Ares. One of his sons, yeah. Who was his I mom? Who was his mom? Hera. Okay. I love that. I, I love the fact that you're 10 years old and know that. This is great. <laughs> Because a lot of kids I would talk to like, wouldn't have that knowledge. Sorry to interrupt. Continue. I think that um, the whole stuff going on in the Ukraine between the Russia might be, I'm not sure, Ares trying to do something, but I'm not sure. So you're associating Ares as being the god of war? Yeah. Okay, so s gods of war still are controlled by the great power. So um, Ares is still controlled by Zeus. Now, one of the major things that you have to understand is that across any of these ideologies, Egyptian, Greek, uh, Viking, uh, Celtic, North American, Mayan, whatever, there is one consistent rule in all script that the gods do not interfere in, how would you say, human affairs. So what we have to, there is the certain traits, because if you actually look at what's called the path of Ares, with how Ares starts up, he kicks up a little argument here and another one here, and before you know it's a mass war. That's the way it's been documented for generations. That would appear to be that. Unfortunately, there's nothing that I can say that can actually prove that. Um, you have to remember that, you know, as much as we have belief in higher powers and we have belief in gods, and the avatars and gods walking the earth, Men are greedy. That war is there for greed, nothing more. And most wars on the planet will never be guided by a god. They're ended by gods and goddesses. They're never started by them because they're not allowed to interfere. We have to evolve in our mind, our consciousness. We have to evolve in our energy or our vibration. And they're not allowed to get involved in that. So in one sense, I understand your point because it, it, it does mimic a lot of the old... Um, folklore 
to do with Aries, but unfortunately, I can't agree with your statement because I understand the greed of man. Most wars are started from the greed. So, if you wanna, if you're asking a definitive question or my opinion on it, my opinion is very simple. My opinion is the fact that they have massive mineral deposits called uranium, and Russia wants it. That's my personal opinion. Why would the gods ever want to come back? If they did. That's a great question. Why do you think? Let's let's get your interpretation of that first. Um I say to change some things that's the world has had happen because Give me an example of that. So if you were if you were a god right now and you had the, all the power of let's work with the near pananthan Zeus, what would you do to change the world? Just try to stop the greed of people. Okay. If that can be changed. And how can you do that? Like. So do you believe in the terminology that's actually one of Zeus's sayings, where it says knowledge is power? Yes. So by educating people properly, that we actually give them power that isn't materialistic. So when you're trying to change the opinion of masses, and you're trying to change the opinion of people who no other don't know any other way the best way is education knowledge is power and that's one of the things that you'll find through especially through greek ancient egyptian and even uh, some of the viking tales a lot of the knowledge has been lost so we're it's not that we are learning about them we're relearning about them and a lot of the power that comes with it so i give you a magic wand right now what's the first thing you would get rid of First thing I would get rid of is the greed of men. So, describe greed. Greed is a thing like, say someone wants a a really, really, really big house. Yeah. And they don't have that, and they'll get, like, they'll get it, and then they'll want more. So it's agreed for more. Yeah. So uh, can we put that under the term materialism? Yeah. Do you understand that term? I'm not belittling your knowledge. I know you're a highly intelligent kid, but I don't want to use terms that, that you don't totally grasp. So materialism is the one for something that's material, something physical and tangible, rather than the emotional or spiritual or energetic expansion of person. So you would take away materialism. Yeah. Which is a big thing. So if we look at what's called... Well, as I say, we'll go through the God ratio. They're fifth dimensional mindsets. Okay? We live in a 3D world. Third dimensional mindset. Third dimensional mindset has anything to do with the physical world. That's where materialism is. When we get into fourth dimensional mindset, fourth dimensional mindset is what's called demigod mindset. So we've got parts of the same mindset of the gods, but we aren't fully aware of it now fourth dimension you can slip in and out of that's a consciousness level it's called delta wave or theta wave fifth dimension is when you're into gods that's when you know that we're all equal you are in the i am philosophy where there's no greed you don't need materialism and you're more worried about bettering yourself emotionally and mentally than you are with other things the problem is throughout history and from the time of the Greeks if you look at the amount of wars to do with Greeks there, there was a lot and Ares didn't start them all he finished a lot of them but he didn't start a lot of them 
So when we go back to that time, it's always been greed. So it's a big statement. It's a very intelligent statement, but it's very hard to bring in because people are so familiar with what they know. As you say, they want a big house, they want a nice car, they want you know that perfect job, they want the cottage, they want all these things that are totally irrelevant because you can't take these things with you when you pass. You can only take your energy and what we call your legacy. And that's one thing I love about the ancient God philosophies, where it's all about the legacy they left behind and not the physical stuff they left behind. It's very, very fascinating. Well, hit me with another one, because I know your brain's going do 90 you to the dozen here. <laughs> it's fascinating to watch. Do you believe heaven or hell? No. Do That's a very quick answer, and I'll, I can get really deep into that. There's no mention of hell in the Bible. There's none. Absolutely none. Hell was created by man to keep man in check through fire and brimstone. There's nowhere in, to s- in the Bible, on any version of the Bible, that actually represents that. Heaven, if we look at it, we break it down, is utopia and paradise, right? Every person can achieve that. If you're pure of heart and you're a good person, you can achieve heaven. But heaven is a conscious mindset. Um, We believe that when we pass, our energy goes back to the universe or goes back to the cosmos. Some people call that cosmos heaven. So yes, I totally believe in that. We go back. We share our experiences. We meet up with the people that passed that we loved. We meet up with our pets. We meet up with our friends of the past. And we share our experiences together. Hell, on the other side, as I say, there's no terminology associated with hell. For the record, there's no terminology associated with devil either, or Satan. That's just words that people threw in. They're man-made. And what hell is to me is, I believe we live in a version of hell because there's suffering, there's pain. Every person's out for themselves. Greed, materialism, I'll throw in a few other terms, consumerism, capitalism, communism. All this control of us. And I believe that that is a version of hell. So when, when we're looking at ancient God ideologies, they didn't call it heaven or hell. So if we look at, say, Vikings, Vikings' entire mindset was to get to the gates of Valhalla which is the golden city. It's the same with Olympus. With the Greek, you wanted to attain and get into the halls of Olympus. It was a prize for being a good person your whole life, for worrying about your fellow man. But hell, I believe we live in it. But again, that's a personal perspective. What's yours? Um, I'm going to have to agree with you that hell is what we live in. Right. Because... Not everything is good about the world that we live in right now. A good example is the war in Russia. That's hell. Yes, hell. In my Mm -hmm. interpretation of that. Yeah. And you're absolutely right at that. Anything that causes harm to another person is a form of personal hell. And there is a bit of heaven in the world, like Mm -hmm. the people doing the good deeds, like the people donating to the Ukraine Mm -hmm. to help them. Mm -hmm. That could be... That's good. Yeah. People people aren't all bad. It's only bad, small little collections of people who are what we call extremists. So they take their emotions or their mindsets or their views and they're really extreme about it. But there's plenty of good in the world. I have plenty of faith in humanity. 
So, you know, people say, well, you know, you look at the news, you look at the likes of Ukraine and Russia, mm-hmm. there's wars also going on in Iraq, Iran, there's also ones in Afghanistan, there's ones in northern Siberia, there's another one that's going on in the South America and the Congo and Africa. You've all these different places of war. But again, that's man's greed. Now, the, as I say, the most common one right now is the Ukraine-Russian war, right? Where the little man was supposed to just kneel over and it showed that if people come together and they think about a common goal, they can actually move forward in life really quickly. Ukraine was meant to be 24 hours, 48 hours, and the war was over. It's when the people grouped together as one, with one mindset, that they started to fight back. And I think that's what we need to do as a, as a populace. We need to fight for what's right in the world, with, you know, love, emotion, compassion, and allow ourselves to come to a state where we all see the value in every person. I'll tell you a classic example of that. There's a friend of mine, excuse me, <coughs> who's really, really big on podcast, and he would never talk to any person who was under his age. And that's an example of egotism. So the term ego, it's a term that's thrown around all the time, but egoism is literally means to be without God, to be without spirit. So I agree with a lot of what you're saying, but that's a very deep mindset for somebody so young in vessel, because <laughs> you're not young in mind, you're not young in energy, you're very old, you have a very old spirit. Does these sort of thoughts keep you up at night? Do they make you scared? Do they make you... They huh? make me wonder. What's, what do you wonder? Contemplation is a beautiful way. So let's contemplate. I wonder if it's will ever stop the greed of man, if people wanting more would ever stop. Yes, it does keep me up at night, make me a little scared because greed of man can be very powerful. Yep, but so can be the spirit of man. So remember, when, when we look at it, things from what's called a stoic mindset, we have to look at it from such a perspective where we see that there's multiple different outs. Greed of man is one. Compassion of man is another. Love of man. Combined consciousness is another. So there's many different what we call facets to the same issue. There is projects going on in the world right now that is literally embracing everything you're talking about. There's one off the Florida Keys called the Venus Project. There's uh, the Aurora Project, which is just off in the Mediterranean. So there is these projects ahead where people's compassion and love and sharing of knowledge and sharing of um, skill sets are actually happening in the world. The problem is it's easier to keep you quiet by showing you a new video game or a new movie than it is for you to, uh, to educate young men like yourself who are so intrigued in the philosophies of the world. It's easier to teach the people to buy something than it is to stimulate a mind like yours. And that's that's the problem. We've got so accustomed to this mindset for you know, nearly 100 years now that people are just comfortable. That's where we get the terms muggle and sheeple. You ever heard them terms? Muggles from, Har- uh, yes. from Harry Potter? Yes. Well, that, that, that's an actual live term. We use that for people who are just so brainwashed by capitalism or materialism that they just can't move forward. They've no depth of thought. But here's a good thing, and here's something that hopefully will help you sleep at night. One of the major things that I have discovered in many years of doing 
spirituality, consciousness and energy on a deep, deep level is that there's always hope. And I'm always got hope. Because if you change one person, yourself, you will automatically change the people around you. And you change the people around you without you even realizing. The beautiful thing that's happened, and I know it was a really bad time, was COVID. The COVID pandemic just forced people to go into and be comfortable with themselves. So we're having this massive global shift of people who are tired of being having products thrown in their face, who are tired of war, who are tired of greed, and they're finding what things are most important. Love, compassion, family time, and values are coming to the forefront. That's why, especially in this store, we get so many people coming in who are tired of their old lives, and they want a new life. So we're you're living in a time of what's called consciousness transition. These old stories of the old gods, all their values, all their principles are coming back. We're seeing the old ways coming back. And I'm delighted for it, because the one thing that we will find as we move forward is that people will follow the, the values and loyalties of the old ways instead of the, excuse the term, crap that's out there right now. You know what I mean? Yep. What else is on your mind? You look like a troubled young fellow <laughs> in your um, mind. I want to start talking about, I can't pronounce his name properly, Osiris. but yeah, Osiris. So Osiris is the what we would classify as the Egyptian equivalent of Zeus. Okay? Um, Zeus had a wife. You know this? Yes. Hera. Osiris had a wife, Isis. Okay? They had offspring. They're called the Trinity. So if you have, um, a lot of the, tr the similarities are there in their position, the amount of offspring, and the connection, and how they connected to Earth. Zeus walked the Earth as a man, as an old uh, sage or seer, he was called the Oracle, and Osiris done the same. So a lot of these people are coming in, um, a lot of these old gods are very, very similar. So Neil, you've met Neil, haven't you, who works here? Yeah. So Neil and I sat down and we went through Egyptian gods, Greek gods, Viking gods, Hindu gods, and the, we found all of them have similar traits, but just interpreted differently depending on where it is. So think of it like every person speaking English, but different f styles of slang and terminology. Osiris and Zeus are the same person. Zeus and um, what I would say is Bara in Hindu are all the same people. They're just interpreted differently based on geographical locations. Have you ever heard of the name uh, or the game Chinese Whispers? Oh uh, yes. So you would, I would say something to you. You would whisper it to somebody else. They would whisper it, and by the time it comes back around to you, it's a completely different story. That's basically the way it is with the ancient gods. They're all very, very similar. We're all learning similar scriptures, just different interpretations. Because you have to remember, back in them days, uh, when you're going back two, three thousand years, they didn't have words for like power. They didn't have words for, you know, lights, swords, because they weren't even invented back then. So there's a lot of interpretation goes on in the ancient texts. So Osiris, with the Egyptian ideology, is one of the oldest gods on the planet. So the scriptures and the evidence to support Osiris predates Greek mythology by nearly 7,000 years. So there's actual evidence. And that's not saying that Zeus doesn't exist, didn't exist or never did, just saying that there's actual evidence to produce that said Osiris once walked the earth. There's temples there, there's pictures or what we call hieroglyphs there. There is the Temple of Zeus. I've been to it, it's beautiful. It's absolutely stunning. It makes you feel like you are literally in the presence of a god. It's amazing. So the Temple of Zeus has this um, 
same aura of power, but it's very, very similar to what I felt in, in North Africa when I was there. So I'd say there's a lot of similarities with these styles of gods. A lot of their character is the very same. So uh, Greek mythology of Ares as the goddess or the god of war, we have Sachmed, the goddess of war. When you look at um, uh, Athena, Athena has a representation of Bastet. So as I say, there's a lot of different gods and goddesses that are very, very similar. Like uh, one of the, the major, how would you say, similarities is there's always this triad. So three major figures and then everything else is an offspring off that. And then you have what's called demigods or bloodlines. So they're known as royal bloodlines and there's thousands of them. So you could be sitting here right now and your genealogy could be a direct descendant of a god that actually used to walk the earth. How weird is that? That's weird. It's scientific though. Because your genealogy goes way, 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 way back, right? And right now, uh, if, if we be 100% honest about it, there's a lot of speculation. Like, do these gods even exist in the first place? But that's personal faith. Like, do you believe in the old gods or do you believe in one overpowerful god? Who, what do you believe I, in? I believe in all of them. So the gods and goddesses? Yeah. So you're old school like me? Yes. There. You just went up 10 points in my way. I'm just going to give you a wee tick for that one. But so the old gods and goddesses, to me, represent more uh, philosophies, ways of life, and beauty of life. Because they, they focused on the simplest things. They focused on you know, the sharing and giving of knowledge, the sharing and giving of food, of shelter. The old principles that not many people. And it's actually quite refreshing and, how, what's the word I'm looking for? Rare that somebody of your age has that same mindset because it's very rare in today's age so don't let anybody take that away from you don't let anybody say that you can't question this stuff because you're the next generation of people who's going to keep these myths these folklores and these ideologies alive so don't ever let anybody put you down for that okay all right i just want to make that clear because with the common society and with materialism with all this other stuff the first thing they're going to say was you're weird I'm proud to be weird. I'm the weirdest guy in this room and I love it. Why? Because nobody can take that away from me. I don't mind being weird because my weird comes from a place of knowledge rather than the place of who's got the nearest iPhone. And that's a good way to be. It means that you're always going to have a thirst for the truth. That's called seeking the truth, otherwise known as seer, S-E-E-R, where you want to seek the truth. Never change that. Just want to point that out. That's a total rabbit hole, but I, don't, I just wanted to point that out. Yep. What's your next question? Let's go. Um, what about spirit animals? What are they here for? Why do we they're have guides. those? They're guides. So they're there as representation. Now, spirit animals, generally, there's different styles of them as well. So you have what's called the generic versions, and then you have ones that are directly linked to like native and ancient native cultures. So the indigenous natives were the first ones to really utilize that using totem animals. I'm sure you've seen the big totems where yeah. you'll see an eagle head and a bear and a turtle and all these things. Yeah. Well, they're, they're spirit animals. That's where they capture the power because each one of these animals have a different set of values that these different clans represented or adhered to. So look at them not as spirit animals but principles because that animal will represent a certain mindset or a certain spiritual or energetic uh, path. Now, spirit animals are not just for natives. I want to make that very clear. Every person has one. 
You just have to learn how to connect to them. Now, we, we had a little conversation off mic where you asked me that question very bluntly, where you said, what's my spirit animal? And my first reaction was, I'm not telling you, because then you lose that ability to connect to it yourself. And that's where I think that a lot of energy, spirit animals, spirit guides, you know, you can look at guardian angels, all that stuff. You have to create your connection to them because they're yours. They're unique to you. So you may look at it as one, say, a wolf or an eagle or a bear or even a fish. I know some people whose spirit animals got tree frogs. Random, but true. But that tree frog or that wolf is unique to you. Nobody else on this planet can have that because that's your spirit guide. And the only person who's going to know that totem animal or spirit animal is you. You will know that instantaneously better than any other person. And you'd be drawn to that animal for no reason. <clears throat> so what, what animal are you drawn to? I'm drawn to um, animals such as dragons, snakes, snow leopards. So which one? So if I turn around and I said, what do you think your spirit animal is? Well, what answer would you give I would me? probably give you a Komodo dragon. So who am I to tell you any different? Because your gut will always be right. And that's the beauty of being in touch with what's called your intuition, your consciousness. Your gut will always outweigh what any other reader will tell you. So what about the Komodo dragon? What's its value? Um, it's one of my favorite animals, for the record. My brother wanted to go to the Galapagos Islands and actually study them. Um, and that's what he wanted to do. So, What I like about them is, they're well, they're my favorite, like, like... Mammals, the reptiles. Mm -hmm. Reptiles are my favorite, and so what a represent. Let's just stop. Let's just break down. What do reptiles represent to you? Because um, dragons. Right. So let's look at dragons. Dragons are um, on a spirit level, or ancient knowledge, or what's called occult knowledge, as well as divine wisdom, undying amount of wisdom. So you're attracted not just in the mythology of the creature but the principles that are associated with it, which is the exact same representation of all these old gods, when you think about it. So if you look at like um, Osiris, because we mentioned Osiris, certain values based on a non-physical human or a non-human appearance. Look at Horus. Horus is an eagle. Eastern skies, power, knowledge, one of the triads. So we represent these ancient gods with these animals. Now, the Komodo dragon is actually represented by another animal, which is called a kitsune, which is a seven-tailed fox. So one of the earliest forms of the kitsune was saying that it had the head of a Komodo dragon, but the body of a fox and the nine tails of a wolf. So that's a very Japanese ideology and here's the fun fact just a random side fact let's just throw this in here dragon bones have been found all over the body or all over the world there's archaeological evidence to support dragons did exist and still do for the record and still do i want to point that in there <laughs> because i was watching a really good documentary uh i think it was like last week and we actually seen full video evidence hd video evidence of this where would they be Everywhere and anywhere. So they could be here? They could be under the ground. There could be a... F well, if we look at the... 
the philosophy of what's called Argartha. Argartha is a city that li- that is global wide, but is under the ground. So why can't they have dragons? Why can't they have sea serpents? Why can't they have the mermaids? Remember, we've only explored about two percent of everything yeah. on this planet. So that's ninety-eight percent of possibilities. Now there is evidence to produce dragons. Komodo dragons literally still walk the earth. We know that. I love them. I think they're awesome. Dangerous, but they're cool. But there are the myths come from somewhere. The myths come from somewhere, and that's what you have to understand. So, as as, as fantastical as they seem in our modern day mindset, we have to turn to the likes of like Harry Potter and um, what do you call it? The Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings sort of scenario, yes. So we have to look at these fantastical things, but you have to remember these people got this information from somewhere. It just didn't come out of the air. So all these things did occur. There is evidence of dwarfs. There's evidence of elves. We have the elven. We have the solid and the unsolid uh, courts that have been scientifically proven and documented. We have um, bone evidence. We have archaeological evidence of dragons. We have other mythical beasts like griffins, which are the, the lion with the wings, Pegasus, which is all over Greek mythology. There was scientific evidence of archaeological evidence of that existing. So we are just in a period of time right now. We're in just that period of time right now that uh, we can't understand it because we see it through a TV screen. We don't believe it's out there because it's on Hollywood, right? Right. But it's everywhere. Ireland's full of it. Ireland is literally full of every sort of, how would you say, folklore, ideology, and mythology that you've ever heard of. Like Their whole days are, are revolved around fairies. We have certain places in Ireland where you are not allowed to walk because the fairies own it. And that's to this day. Think about that. It's mind-blowing. So are they really fantastical beasts? Are they really so far out of our reach? Or are they there and we just refuse to see it because we think it's something else? I say they're there, but we refuse to see it. Do you want to go dragon hunting someday? Yes. I'm being serious. We should do this. Because there is a known place up in Muskoka. We should go dragon hunting. I would like right? to do, try that. I'm being serious. We'll, 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 we'll definitely will. When I get 10 minutes to myself, <laughs> I'm a busy person. We definitely should look into that. And some of the, the first place you look is old uh, legends, folklores. Because every person in every area has a folklore. And that's where you start. And that's how you backtrack. And that's how you find the truth. You start. Folklores don't come out of nowhere. Yes, there's some people who are like very, um, how would you say, fantastical in their stories and they're great storytellers, but they have to have a source of information. So we'll start there. We'll look at the old myths and walk back. That'll be an interesting conversation that we can have over a longer period of time. What about pets? Like, because I know a few people in the store right now that have pets. I mean, I, we, I have pets and... Do pet do the pets come to us? Do they choose us, or do we choose them? They choose us. How? It's called familiar. So we are looking at them as pets. But if you have that pet that literally die for you, they're not your pet. They're your familiar. That's the term that we use. They have picked your energy to help support you through your down times. You'll find that a lot of us choose pets for emotional support. But what you don't realize is 
they have already chosen us long before that. They go, right, Landon, you have a great energy at the heart. I'm going to be a very loving pet, and I'm only going to be nice around you because you match that vibration. Pets choose you. I've always believed that. And they be they come in stages because pets, you know, pass and they come in stages. So when one has fulfilled its job, the next one comes in and takes up the mantle. So it's like a relay race and it keeps going to the day you pass. The beautiful thing is if you believe in the heaven philosophy or the Summerland philosophy, it means you get to meet them all again in their energy form, not in their um, physical form. It's even better. Is it true that... Um an animal that your pets could be your spirit guides? Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. That's possible? 100%. 100%. Yeah, because they, they can actually embody the guide and they can teach you. It's kind of like if you're, uh, if you look at a dog as just being a random, it's <coughs> not really random, it's one of the most popular pets on the planet. But if you look at a dog as being uh, an ideology behind that, Sometimes your dog will just naturally just grab you and pull you out of the way for no reason. And then all of a sudden something will happen. It's like they know. So w w why can't that be your spirit guide? You know, because you have to understand a lot of what you're talking about is very deep um, ideolo ideologies that not many people can comprehend. But one of the things that I, would, I do want to express is the fact that uh, pets, in my opinion, cannot carry the soul of, of, of a past person. That's a completely different mindset and mind thing. So if you have a pet, it can't be your great-great-grandmother. It can't be anybody like that. I don't believe that they work on the same things because, number one, if we look at cats as an example, they have two crown chakras, so they're far more spiritually advanced than us. <laughs> so we're basically their property, not the other way around. And any person who owns a cat knows that. <laughs> you don't own your house when you have a cat. The cat owns a house. You're just allowed to live there. But that's that's a really ancient uh, Egyptian and it's a very ancient uh, Greek variation because both of them races revered cats as being mystical or creatures of power. Um, even if we look in the common witches uh, sort of mindset, cats are a pinnacle of power, which we call esotericism for the record. What about the chakras? Right. So what about them? There's a lot of fluff around this, bro. This is going to go deep um, fast, I'm warning the, you. The crown chakra is in your head. What's that for? What is your crown chakra for? So let's look at chakras and what they are. So I'm going to give it to you on a spiritual, energetic, and then on a physical level. Okay? Because you can't just look at chakras as just being, oh, well, you know, these color symbols. Yeah. Ideologies, some are discs, some are balls of light, some are lotus flowers. It depends where you have. The true ideology are lo is lotus flowers because the the chakras actually were created within the Hindu religion. And then it was brought into Japan, and now in the Westernized world we understand it as a Japanese version of healing called Reiki or chakra balancing. Each of the different chakras represent different parts of connection to the brain, and that's where people get messed up. So a lot of people don't understand that there's a physical connection to these points so you have seven major chakras you mentioned one the crown the third eye the throat the heart solar plexus sacral and the root chakra each of them on a medical level is the highest collection of nerve endings in any one of the points the brain so you being a highly intelligent young gentleman will know that your brain has millions and billions of nerve endings 
what's just called neuron or neuron signals. So these neuron signals literally teach us how the connection comes in. We send a signal out. When we have a when we have a thought, that thought has to move through a certain part of our body. It's called a limbic impulse. That limbic impulse moving through your capillaries or through the blood creates static electricity. Static electricity is what we call energy. So the energy comes out through your body. And that also means that it has a magnetic pull, a plus or a negative, a positive or a negative ion charge. So that means we can attract stuff with the same charge, negative or positive. And that's where we get with the term manifestation. So when you say about the connection from the crown, that's where we get it from above. So anything that's above us, we get that connection through our crown. That stimulates certain parts of our brain and that gives us direction. So don't confuse uh, chakras with spirituality. You still have to have faith in the process in order for that chakra to be really powerful and for you to get outside what's what we call the third dimensional mindset. Remember where at the start we were talking about 3D, 4D and 5D? Yeah. So chakras are what's called a gateway. Each of them have different layers within them because here they use seven major. There's so many more. There's seven major, 21 minor, 75,316 micro. And each of them have firing zones within the head. There's 144,314 firing zones for each of these chakras. So that's all places where we can get information in and out of that chakra point. So chakras, when you look at it on a baseline, it's just a term for connection interior to the exterior. So it's our bodily movements connecting to the vibration around you. Some people call that an aura field, and that's correct. Erratic field or electric magnetic field is the static electricity. Have you walked up to your brother and just hit him with a spark out of your hand because you rubbed your feet in the floor? Yes. Well, you've ever done that? Well, that's you literally discharging your internal energy. That had to come from the exterior, so that had to come from your crown. I do it out of badness. I shuffle my feet and just touch people out of badness, right? So when we talk about exterior, what's it for? Because it's coming from up and the energy's coming down on top of it in order to hit this plate that we call our head, it has to come from a higher power. And that's why the crown chakra is always connected and associated with spiritual connection or connection to the old gods. Did I get that deep enough for you? Yes. Good, okay. I'm glad we're on the same page. Because we have to wrap this up in a couple of minutes. Because there's our client that's waiting to go onto the table. So we have like two minutes left. So you've got your last question for this one. But I'm going to bring you back for another one. Um, if the gods do come back, well, when they do come back. I like that, yes. Well, good adjustment there, young man. Well, we have to be prepared, and will there be changes beyond? Pressure? If you are a good person, you shouldn't have to be prepared for anything. You should be happy they're coming to eradicate a lot of the stuff that we discussed at the start, this greed, this materialism, these wars. If you're a good person of heart, and you're a good person of mind, and you're a compassionate and loving person, you should have nothing to be prepared for it you know be scared or worried about it's the people that have taken this world for their own advantage the greed they have to worry but they will come back i'm hoping they do i'm begging they do but there is evidence out there and we're going to do i'm going to give you some homework after this podcast so you can do a wee bit more research and then i'm going to bring you back for the next one and the next one you're going to have more information and more questions and we'll make this we're going to call this series we'll call it a series we're not going to do one and we call it the young and the wise series so okay. you come, you ask the questions, and we sort it out, and we battle it out in a podcast. How does that sound? Sounds great. All right. 
All right. So first of all, thank you very much for coming in. Thanks to your mom for bringing you in. I really appreciate it. I love the fact that you're so spiritually minded. I love the fact that you have a deep philosophical mindset. Don't let anybody take that away from you. And then after your homework, we'll get you back for another one and we'll put this up again. All okay. Right? So thank you, Landon, so much for your time. I really, really appreciate it. So guys, just look out for this next one. It's going to be even more fun, I can just tell. All right? All right. Have a good day, buddy. Thank you. You're welcome.